Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. For more information, please call 234-803-481-0869 or for free audio downloads, kindly visit www.davidogaga.org. Hallelujah. Okay, I'd like us to go up. Again, we're going to be dealing with the book of Revelation. We're still studying or looking at entering the city of God or the city of the living God. Entering the city of the living God. Um, that's what we're dealing with. Um, if we go by simply defining the city and entering from the beginning, this is part 12. Of the study, but today we're going to be dealing with the gate of God. G A D, the gate of God. That's what we're going to be dealing with this morning. And I just pray God will give you understanding of the things I'm about to say. And so, again, we'll go to Revelation 21. We will always read that because every passage, I mean, every of these gates is on its own. Though collectively, at the end of the day, we're going to find a summary in the last verse of. As get forth yet. But Revelation 21, verse 1. Again, the Bible says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first seven and the fourth seven passed away, and there was no more sea. And I just saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, and for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. That's a good promise. And so verse 10 says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. And verse 11 says, Having the glory of God and her light, like, her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And verse 12 says, And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and had the twelve gates, twelve angels, and names written therein, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. So let's go to Ezekiel 48 again, and then we'll look at this. Uh, uh, we'll just look at 33 and 34. Uh, Ezekiel 48. And so. Verse 33 says, Ezekiel 48, and at the south side, that is talking about the city, 4,500 measures and three gates, one gate of Simon, of Simeon, one gate of Ezekiel, one gate of Zebulun, and at the west side, 4,500 wide, I mean, with, with their three gates, one gate of God, one gate of Asher, and one gate of Natali. So we're dealing with the gate of God today. Praise the Lord. And uh, after that, maybe we have two more gates and we're done with this particular passage that we're dealing with. Gate of God. The word God is actually is, is defined in two major ways. God misfortune, misluck, misprosperity. That's the word God. G-A-D. Now, uh, God was the seventh son 
of Jacob to Zippah. Zippah was Leah's handmaid. And God was a brother to Asher. You can find that in Genesis chapter 30, uh, verse 10. Genesis 30, reading from verse 10. The Bible says, And Zillah and Leah made by Jacob his son. And Leah said, A troop cometh and shall call his name God. Amen? Right. So, a troop cometh. Actually, he is the word a troop. Uh, but if you truly study it out, what you're going to find, like I said before, fortune. But basically, God has a characteristics, which is that of warfare. And I'm sure this is why the name troop is coming in here. A troop or company. Fortune comets, whatever it is. Now, the tribe of God during the wilderness journey had their place with Simeon and Reuben on the south side of the tabernacle. If you look at Numbers chapter 2, verse 14, uh, the tribe of Reuben and God continued all through their history to follow the pastoral pursuit. They were helpsmen, I mean, uh, as it were, the major trade of the patriarch. They follow what the patriarch were doing. The, uh, that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as pastoral people. Like you find in Numbers chapter 32, verse 1 to 3. Okay, so, like we said, gather the son of Jacob, and Zillah was actually the mother, which is Leah's servant. Um, like I said, they call them troop. Okay, let's look at now um, Genesis 49, and verse 19. Let's we'll make progress on this. Genesis 49, verse 19. Uh, he said, God, the truth shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. Now, here is uh, the father uh, prophesying over this very child of his. He said, the truth shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. Praise God. Okay. But like I said, many Hebrew scholars, they prefer rendering the word good fortune or prosperity, comet. That's actually what... Uh, they believe most scholars that's exactly what they say about this man okay again let's look at the prophecy or the blessings of moses to this tribe when he was blessing the children of israel in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 20 um Deuteronomy 33 verse 20 if you have it from the message translation we can just look it up uh verse 20 Deuteronomy 33 verse 20 if you have it from message translation okay that's fine uh god Blessed is he who makes God large. This is where the issue of prosperity is coming in. Is that okay? All right. God roams like a lion, tears off an arm, rips open his skull, attests to the strength. It's coming like a troop. Is that okay? He took one look. Verse 21. He took one look and grabbed the best place for himself. He got a warrior spirit. The portion just made for someone in charge. He took his place at the head, carried out God's right ways and his rules for life in Israel. God's right ways speaks of God's righteousness. Is that okay? So this tribe was one of the tribes that actually uphold the righteousness of God, but then they succeeded. They expounded. You see, they could take back what belongs to them. 
very interesting tribe, if I may use the word. Uh, like I said, praise the Lord. So God was actually, if I may use the word, a warrior tribe. They were warriors. Uh, the archetype, if you will, of what it talks about expounding on the justice of Dan. You know, the tribe of Dan. God is ready to fight for his beliefs. That is one thing that we're going to find today about the life of God in entering the city. This man was ready to fight for his belief. This tribe will not compromise their belief. That is what is unique about this tribe. Praise the Lord. The warrior is necessary to both defend our cherished values and to protect our freedoms. We need to understand that. Now, you see, when you talk about freedom, you need to understand something. Freedom is you being in the very place that God has ordained that you should be. Let me give you a simple illustration. You are a human being. You are free only as you live on, on land. If you're taken to the sea, as wide as the ocean is, and you're thrown into the sea, you no longer have freedom. Because that's not your habitat. Freedom is you staying where God has ordained for your life. Freedom is you knowing who you are. Freedom is you exercising your right in the place that God has ordained for you. Freedom is you staying on the call that God has for you in life. That's freedom. Are you there with me? So, anything that shifts you from, I mean, who you are supposed to be, what God has ordained you for, it means your freedom will be taken away. So, you get it right. Praise God. And the natural, for instance, when Israel was taken from Palestine to Babylon, they lost their freedom. Am I right? That's just simple. So, once you move out of the space of the location or the realm that God has ordained for your life, you lost your freedom. You need to understand this. Praise God. So, the Spirit of God is the Spirit that enables you to fight for your freedom. In other words, you want to retain what belongs to you. Is that okay? Yeah. You don't want anything to compromise what belongs to you or who you are. That's your freedom. You're being born again. Your freedom is always being in Christ. If you come out of Christ, remember, he that is in Christ is a new creature. You are free as long as you are in Christ. If you get out of Christ, you lost your freedom. You understand what I'm saying? Scripture says, in him we move and, and live and do what? And have our being. Only in him. So if you move out of him, you lost your freedom. So if you want to fight for your freedom, what does that mean? You contend for the faith. And I'm going to explain more about that. Praise God. Let's look at something in First Chronicles, I think uh, 12 verse 8. Let me see if that is what I really want. First Chronicles 12 verse 8. Praise the Lord. Verse 8, First Chronicles, I said. You can read King James if you want. Good. And of the Gadites, that God now, 
and of the God had just separated themselves unto David into the hall to the wilderness, men of might, a man of war, fit for the battle, that could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and were swift as the rose upon the mountains. My, my, my. You need to see the description of these people. Now, these people say, man, we, we, we know David is going to be the king, is the next king, and Saul was after him, but this guy said, no, man, we got to go defend David. I want you to see the spirit that was in this tribe. The spirit to defend the king. The spirit to stay with the king. And they wanted to use everything that they have. The shield, the buckler. What is your shield? Shield of faith. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? To defend the king. To defend the territory that belonged to David. They came along and said, no, David, we will stay with you. So it's like they volunteered to become warriors for David. Praise God. So you find that this tribe was fierce and warlike. They were strong men of mind, men of war, for the battle that could handle shield and buckler. Their faces like were red, we had faces like lion, and like rose, they were upon the mountain, very swift. You know, they had speed. So one of the things that also accompanied the Spirit of God is speed in achieving the things that God has ordained for you. Amen. They got speed. Right? They have strength. They can move. The role is like the leopard or the antelope, whatever you want to talk about. You know, they have that agility within them. That is a description that befills the Gadite. So, we are saying, it's another way of saying, the spirit of him that is of Christ dwells in you. He shall quicken your mortal body. He shall revitalize your system. I mean, with this spirit, you truly move in such a dimension that your, new, your youth, I believe, is going to be renewed every day. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Okay. So here is that. Now, I want to show you two particular fellows that I believe have this particular spirit that I'm talking about. Two fellows in the Bible that have this spirit that I'm talking about. They were not Gadites, but they have the spirit of the Gadites. So let's look at 2 Samuel 23 verse 11. 2 Samuel 23 verse 11. Praise the Lord. Uh, okay, go back a little bit. Let's look at it from verse 10. Verse 10 says, He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand. <laughs> maybe we'll go back a little bit again. Let's start from verse 8, maybe. I just want you to catch what the Lord is talking about in this passage. There be the names of the mighty men whom David had the Thermonites, a certain the sea, chief among the captains. The same was Adenor the Esnite. Lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Now, it, it would be a good thing for you to have people like this around you. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Good warriors staying around you. You'll be confident at all times. Okay, let's look at the next thing, verse number 9. After him 
was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David. When they defiled the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. Watch what happened. Verse 11. Verse 11. Come again. Did I say 10? Yeah, the 11 I want to read now. Have I read 10 before? Okay, let's look at verse 10. I'm sorry. Look at verse 10. He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand were weary. Now watch that. When Israel had gone away, one man stood. Is that okay? He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand were weary. And his hand cleave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him towards to the spoil. The destroyed people came to gather the spoil. One man. Friends, I want you to understand this. This race is so personal. Is that alright? Many we want to leave, but we're still going to have a people who will stand to defend the ground. Israel is gone away, but this one man stood. And this is what he did. Hallelujah. So let's look at verse 11 now. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. <laughs> he said they were good at flying away or running away. <laughs> okay, look at verse 12. But what did he do? He stood in the midst of the ground and the world defended it. And slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought what? A great victory. One man. He stood the ground. That's what I'm saying. God is the spirit that we stand to defend what belongs to him. Is that okay? This is the spirit that we stand to say, man, I'm not going to shift ground. He stole the ground and defended the ground. Now, don't, don't forget. The Philistines came in there like a troop. That means there were many. But he could stand to fight off these people. One man. When even the rest of Israel has gone away. Are you ready for the Lord? Are you ready to stand with the Lord? Are you ready to stand for the Lord? Even if other people reject him. Will you reject God? With circumstance. You see what Paul said? What shall separate us from the love of God? He said, is it debt? He doesn't say, is it poverty? No. Even poverty can't separate you from the love of God. No friends, no relation, no height, no depth. No. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You've got to defend your faith. You've got to defend the ground that you have. You've got to defend what the Lord is giving to you. You've got to defend your freedom in Christ. That's the spirit of God. That is what enables you to enter into the city. To finally possess your possession. This is a unique spirit. Hallelujah. 
This is a spirit that have no cause to be afraid of anything. No cause to be afraid of what may befall you. I mean, it's part of the spirit that doesn't have to... You have no recognition for anxiety one bit. Hallelujah. Everybody is gone, but this guy stood on the ground, Shaman, and defended the ground. Now, why were the Philistines coming there? They were coming in there because there was, it was a good piece of land. It was something that was prosperous. It was something that was good. So that simply means sometimes... Do any enemy seize your prospects, seize your joy, seize that which is coming to you, which is supposed to be yours. They want to come to invade. That is when you stand to defend what belongs to you. You won't allow your peace to be taken by any circumstance or anybody. You won't allow anything to, to scorch the light that you have, the glory that is coming upon you. You won't allow anything to quench it. Because the enemy recognizes that this place was fertile, it was good. And then they brought your troops. The invention of the enemy sometimes is not just one devil coming. It could be several devils trying to come into your life to destroy the peace that you have. But you are going to rise up with the spirit of God and say, I'm defending what belongs to me. I'm not going to let go. You getting it? You're going to defend what belongs to you. You have the strength. I can do all things through Christ that strengthened me. You're going to defend the peace you have. You're going to say, no, my peace, nothing is going to take it. Not even poverty will take it. Not even hunger. No, no, no. Not even tribulation. You can think about people of Paul and Silas. They were in prison. But yet they could sink. They were contending for what they had. They refused to allow the prison circumstance to take away their joy, to take away their peace. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? They said, no, we're not going to allow that. You've got to contend for it. Praise God. As the Spirit of God. That's how you enter into the city. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Okay, can we read this thing from the message translation, verse 11? Let me just take it from verse 11. If you, if you can find it there, verse 11, message translation. Praise God. Shaman, son of Agar, the Harite was the third of the three. And I like the third of the three. That three men did something miraculous that the rest of Israel could not do. In other words, God brought victory through three men. And that's why the Bible says God is not mindful, you know, to get the victory either by many or by few. Is that okay? Three men. But this one was of the third man. The Philistine had mustard for battle at Lehi. Where there was a field full of lentils, Israel fled before the Philistines. Verse 12. And the Bible says, Oshaman took his stand at the center of the field, successfully defended it, and routed the Philistines. Another great feat for who? For God. Anytime you got a victory, it belongs to God. Is that okay? Praise the living God. Now I want you to follow it because it's very important. Very, very important. Very, very important. So now talk with me to Jude, verse number 13. Let's begin to look at a few things. But I love this tribe. This is one of the tribes that I really love. <laughs> the tribe that gets you standing all the time and saying to the devil to his face, I'm not going to quit. I believe in Jesus and nothing's going to take me out of that. 
Is that okay? No matter what, whether it be shame, mockery, disrespect, whatever it is, you are saying to the devil, you are not going to shift me. This is my ground. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, Jude verse 13. Okay, now you can just read it from... Okay, let's read it if you want. Uh, oh, sorry, let's take verse 3. I'm sorry. Verse 3. Let's take verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly do what contained for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Contained for the faith. I'm writing this. What's the common salvation? Jesus came, lived, died, rose, and then the Holy Spirit came. Common salvation. Contained for that truth. You know why I'm saying this? Look at the next verse. For there are certain men crept in on a ways who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Godly men turning the grace of God our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you're contending for the faith. What kind of message did you listen to? That's the question. How are those messages revealing Christ? What is the centrality of the message that the people preach? You know, we have today a lot of people preach motivational things and, they, you know, they, they mix it up with what is called the gospel. But that's not the gospel. That's why I say contain for the faith. The only way by which you contain for the faith is to begin to walk with the Spirit of God. Are you with me? Praise the living God. Spurious messages that have no foundation may pour them out onto you through television, through the internet social medias all manner of crazy things are poured out onto you you, you need to find out sometime is this the gospel and if it's not the gospel then it can't be the gospel hallelujah for I desire to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him what? crucified that's all Crucified, died, was buried. Three days he rose again, went into glory. Sat at the right hand of God from where he released the Holy Spirit and from where he strengthened judgment that all enemies may be placed under his feet. Nothing more. That is the gospel. When men begin to bring in all these Jasperus teachings into your head, you need to contend for the faith. That is why you must also know what your faith stands for. What is the salvation that you are supposed to be living in? Hallelujah. Paul will write in Romans chapter 1 verse number 6 and saying, I'm not, 16 or so, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto what? Unto salvation. And that salvation is not just I believe and I'm saved. Salvation means to be completely whole. Spirit, soul and body. Your health, your finances, everything is inclusive. In that word, salvation. Sozo. It's a complete package. But it's the gospel that delivers it. Amen. 
Praise the living God. It's a contain for the faith, the common salvation, the Christian faith, the Christian religion, salvation it brings. The faith brings salvation to us. Content for it. The other day, somebody sent me a video. I said, Apostle David, this is what is going on. I think it's Maxwell that sent to me when he was in, in Kenya to last week. Here is a church that the pastor asked everybody to come with whip, koboko. Right? And they said they have to whip the devil. I mean, you need to see these people spend the energy flogging all of them. They are in a row like this. Flogging, husband, wife, everybody. What, the, what the, I don't understand. I mean, do you use koboko to flog spirit? How does it work? Scripture says our weapons, our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pull him down. Is that okay? Our weapons are not carnal. You go carry cane, carry cutlass to church, carry bottles to church, sporous gospels. And people go for it. That is why they have no faith in Christ. That's why they can never have faith in Christ. Practically impossible. The faith is completely, you know, think about it. You do that in church, at home, what's going to be the next day? You buy more canes. Because if you could bring the cane to church to flog the devil, you have more canes at home to flog the devil. That becomes your faith. Anytime you need to pray, you carry the cane. Your faith is of Christ. Hallelujah. The Bible says you must contend for the faith for there are people that have come in to deceive. And God spoke about these people a long time ago. And so that's what we're seeing today. That is why you need the spirit of the Gadite to stand to defend the faith that once delivered unto us. And that is Christ and Christ alone. Nothing else. Hallelujah. I say nothing else. Praise the Lord. Why do you call it common salvation? Because you call it belong to the Jews and Gentiles at that time. It is the saving grace of God which has appeared to every man and equally offers to every human being that redemption which is provided for the whole world is available. That's why it is common salvation. When something is common, that means readily available. And the salvation of Christ is available to everybody. Big or small. Great Almighty, it's common salvation. Defend it. Defend the faith. Defend what God has done. That's the spirit of the Gadite. That's the spirit that brings you into the kingdom. I mean, into the city of the living God. Defend your faith. Salvation is complete. Like I said, spirit, soul, and body. That is why even your physical body of a truth, you are not supposed to be sick. It's part of the package. Of salvation we need to contend for our well-being we need to contend for our strength we must banish sickness from our midst because it's not part of the salvation package you're listening to me and that's why we need to focus on the world we need to focus on the world we need to we need to look more into the world what has God said I was asking a series of questions in my prayer this night at about 4 a.m. Series of questions. I felt I need to ask God some questions. 
I need to find out why certain things are not exactly the way they are supposed to be. We need to contend. Glory to God. For this faith. Praise the Lord. Are we together? Look at 2 Timothy 1. Verse 13. 2 Timothy 1 verse 13. He said, hold fast. Sorry. I'm, you're right. Okay, let's go on there. Hold fast the form of sound words which I have heard of me in faith and what? Love. Which is in who? In Christ Jesus. Can we take another translation? Anyone you want. 2 Timothy 1.13 Hold fast. Contend. Sound words. So keep at your work. This faith and love rooted in Christ exactly as I set it out for you. It's as sound as the day you first had it from me. Is that okay? Keep at it. Keep at work. Don't allow anything to distract you. Don't allow anything to take away your mind, your faith. From what you are hearing. Praise the Lord. I got a message from someone yesterday outside of this country and he said, Apostle David, what Bible school did you go to? I said, well, unfortunately, I didn't go to any Bible college. He said, who taught you the things you're teaching? I said, unfortunately, I didn't know who taught me, but I just know, I know from the Bible. Hallelujah. And the next thing he's trying to say is, I wish you could be accepted in your country. I said, I don't need acceptance in my country anyway. I just have to do what I'm doing. Is that okay? Why is the person telling me all this? Because of what is going on within the body of Christ. You may not understand what you are receiving. You may not understand under the voice that you are sitting you may not understand but Paul is saying to Timothy those things are delivered to you fight for them is that okay fight for them praise the living God keep at work that's what he's saying don't lose sight of these things Glory to God. You saw the man that came here the other day from another country, the bishop, sent me a note yesterday. So I wish you can have many more people like you in Nigeria. That that is my country also. But I know what is going on in that country because I've been there. Praise the living God. And he's trying to say, if you don't mind, we would like to have you in our country next year. Praise the living God. See, there's a lot of pollution going on. I'm not saying we are the best. But at least you have something that you can fight for in this house. Praise the living God. We are not going to corrupt the word of God. We are not going to lower the standard. 
Somebody sent me a note yesterday and said, have you been to that much church to preach? Have you been to that much church to preach? I said, no. He said, why? I said, because we don't operate on the same frequency. He said, but I have a big church. I said, sure, he has a big church. My church is not even as big. Not even, my church is not up to his choir. I said, but I just can't be there to preach because we are not on the same platform. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. So, keep at your walk. Keep at your walk on this. On what? On your faith. And love rooted in who? In Christ. Exactly as I said it for you. It says, sound, it's as sound as the day you first heard it from me. In other words, your faith is not supposed to be fluctuating. Because Christ is of yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Please, I'm really appealing to this house. Have the spirit of the Godite. And fight for what you're receiving. Stay with the world. Hallelujah. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse number 7. Second hmm. <laughs> Timothy 4 verse number 7. Paul is writing. I have fought what? A good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. This is a testimony. I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Two things there. When he said, I fought a good fight, I finished my course. In other words, what was his course? The cause was his assignment. The cause was his calling as an apostle to the Gentiles. I finished my course in ministering to the Gentiles. I've kept the faith. I stood for what I believe and God spoke to me about. You have to have a cause. Everybody in life has a cause. You need to understand that. Everybody in this life has a cause. Praise the Lord. Some of you are actually called into the marketplace for unique purposes. Just like Joseph, just like Daniel, there are unique places God has placed you in the marketplace to influence the whole of that environment that Christ may be revealed in the things you do, even in terms of your businesses. That becomes your cause. So when Paul said, I'll finish my course, what he's trying to say? The set of boundaries that God gave to me in relation to the Gentiles and apostles, I've accomplished that. And he said, I've fought the good fight of faith. I've kept the course. And I've finished it. The faith that he gave to me, my conviction about Christ, I fought for it. I stood on my ground. That's a God, that spirit. What do you know about yourself? What do you know about the cause God is giving to you? Why are you existing? I've always been asking this question. What are you living for? Praise the Lord. Are you with me? I was speaking with Max a few days ago, I think two days. I was talking and I told him, Max, I said, yes, I understand certain things. I have my satisfaction, my joy from a different thing entirely. As much as I need money and the money is not there, but I have my satisfaction, my joy on a different cause because I know who I am. And that's all right for me. Is that okay? 
that's all right for me. I know why I'm living. I know I'm existing. I know why God brought me here. Nobody's going to tell me that. I know it myself. And I'm on it. That will give you satisfaction. Paul made a statement the other day. Check the Bible. And he said, Though poor, but making many rich. He wasn't, he wasn't disturbed because he never had all the material things. But here he says, What did he say here? I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. The three I have done, I have done, I have done. He stood for what he knew he was born for, what he was created for, why he lived. Why are you living? That's a question. Why are you here? What are you living for? You've got to fight for it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's look at 1 Timothy 6 verse 12. Hallelujah. So we take a few things and then we'll be done. we just pray this morning. 1 Timothy 6 verse number 12. Find the good fight of faith. Lay hold on what? Eternal life. Lay hold on it. Grab it. Whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. This is Timothy. Now I'm going to show you something about the life of Timothy. Hallelujah. Amen. First of all, before I speak on this, go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 23. Because he said, For they have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Hebrews 13, verse 23. Verse 23. Hebrews 13, 23. Good. Know ye that our brother Timothy is set at liberty with whom, if he comes shortly, I will see you. You know what Paul is saying here? This tells us that Timothy was in prison. And it was in prison he stood his ground. That is why when you read back now, in 1 Timothy 6, 12, Fight a good fight of faith, or internal life, wherefore that was also called, and has professed what? A good profession before many witnesses. That means the prison condition did not stop Timothy from accepting and believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good fight of faith. What condition are you today? Timothy stood, even in prison. That will not deter him. Maybe they will have told him, why not you renounce Jesus? <laughs> and he said, no. Jesus is my Lord and personal Savior. He's my personal Lord and Savior. I won't renounce him. I won't denounce him. I'm not going to change my faith because of prison condition. Maybe they gave him some beatings there just for him to change his mind. You tell me something, folks. Some of us in business area, do you, do you sometimes say accept Jesus Christ when certain money is given to you just to change your confession? When you're even dealing business dealings, do you sometimes inflate the things? You inflate the things you're doing on the mind of the fact that you are a Christian. God is against, if you don't know, false weight and false balances. 
Fourth measures. We still have Christians today who want to sell rice and they use the cup that the, the bottom has been punched. Am I correct? That's a fourth measure. You have cup, tomato cup or meat cup and then they, they heat it on there. So put paper. And I, am I correct? They stuff with paper and then put rice on top, put gari on top, whatever. Fourth weight, fourth measure, fourth balance. You should do that. You are, you, are not, you are not professing your profession. You are, not, you, are not, you are not making the right confession. You are not contending for the faith. You don't believe that Christ can make all good abound to you. You think it is, you can only succeed through cheating. That is not Christ. That is not fighting the go fight of faith. Hallelujah. All because of money. Huh? What will you do with it? By the time you finally got the money. What will you do with it? False balance, false weights. We see your prayed out in the marketplace. Hmm? Even the things that are old, we refurbish them and still sell them. Praise the Lord. And yet we go to church. We give testimonies. How God prospered at our businesses. And their old stuff that you repented. And you call that testimony? You call that confessing? I mean, professing the faith? No. Content for the faith. In your life, content for the faith. No tricks. No lying. Stay on course. Huh? And, and Paul is telling Timothy, I, I know you've done all of these things before many witnesses. Men, it's like saying, even in the prison waters, they come to the conclusion this man is truly a Christian. Let me say this. It's not as if I'm approving or disapproving. But you've heard about the Second World War, the term of Hitler. Why do you think only Jehovah's Witnesses were allowed to operate in Germany? I think the only two religions that were allowed there are Jehovah's Witnesses and the Roman Catholic. Why do you think so? Because the time of war, they told Hitler, God, these guys, come on, go join the army. They said, we can't join the army because we don't share blood. Try them. If you don't, we'll kill you. We're ready to die. And Hitler said, leave these people alone. They know what they believe and they know what they're doing. They are the only religion that existed in Germany at the time of the Second World War. Outside of the Catholic Church. They believe in what they believe. Tell the Pentecostal that one. No, be honest with yourself. <laughs> Glory to God. So even the natural king, the natural, the natural president or whatever he was, that and the Nazi leader could recognize that these people have faith in what they believe. Can you confess your faith before men in the face of threats that the spirit of the Gadites? Can you still stand when people threaten you? That is even too far. How many of you still can be still bold to carry your Bible without wrapping it with the newspaper? I mean, you're walking the street with your Bible open. 
so that people can see that you carry Bible. How many of you can still do that? Huh? How many of you can, can share who Christ is in your place of work or at school? No. But tell me how you are contending for the faith. Which faith are you contending for? When already your lifestyle, you have denounced the Lord. You have renounced him. You, you, I mean, nobody wants to. Sometimes there are certain times that people might probably ask, oh, I mean, are you a Christian? Do you think you are a Christian? I mean, when people start to question your faith, just know that you've gone away. Praise the living God. Amen. Find a good father of faith. Agonize the good agony. That's, that's the way it is in the Greek. Agonize the good agony. <laughs> so that has content to sustain in which that honor, that life, that soul are at stake. In, in agonizing and fighting, everything about your life is at stake. Praise the Lord. Leave the gospel and defend the cause of God. Unmask the hypocrites in you and even those around you. Purge up the church, if you will. Live out the spirit of the religion that you believe into. Give yourself wholly to it. Lay hand on eternal life. Praise the living God. Are we there? So we find that Paul risked it. I mean, Timothy risked his life. He conquered. As a matter of fact, we can say, like Paul, it was a matter. Hmm? He, he professed the faith to the finished. I'm asking, if you face challenges in your life today, will you still stand to say, I'm a Christian? If you hear people say, oh, now they are killing all Christians. From, from the north, maybe just move down to very close to, I know so many of us become Muslim overnight. Just to save your life. They come down here, Christian. No, no. Since uh, last year, I've been a Muslim. It's just that there's no mosque around here. That's why I've not been going to mosque. <laughs> you want to save your life? No, I'm telling you, what is serious? Praise the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? When men come to challenge your faith, will you still stand? To say, oh no, it's either Christ or nothing else. No, it's a difficult thing. But you see, we have the spirit of God. This is the spirit that enters into the kingdom. We are ready to defend what we believe. We are ready to die for what we believe. Is that okay? Even if I'm not losing stuff, we are ready to lose for what we believe. So many people have come to me to say, change your message so that you prosper. I said, there's no way that's going to happen because I just can't even do it. This is in my gene. Because if I open my mouth, I cannot say what you're saying. I cannot preach what you're preaching. I have had people come to me to say, they want me to jump their network so that we can begin to do stuff together. But it's practically impossible because the things they profess are not the things I send the Bible. We can compromise our standards because we want to have a good living. Are you with me? It's practically impossible. It's not done. We can have all, all the material things as blessings and miss eternal reality of who Christ is, of the reward that comes even after we've got the flesh. 
No. We can't do that. As a Gadite, you got to fight a good fight of faith. Praise the living God. Anywhere you find yourself, stand your ground. Don't shift. It's how to be Christ and Christ alone. You're preaching? Let Christ be at the center of your message. Not man, not anything else. It has to be Christ and Christ alone. Praise the living God. And just to assure you that no matter what happened, God will show up. Let me read the scripture and then we'll pray. Second Corinthians chapter 1, I'm sure. Let's take it from verse 1 down to 3. Let me see very quickly if you can find it there in your system. We've we got to know this, that God is for us. And the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, let me just read. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. I want you to know that. And the Father of all comfort. All comfort. All. <laughs> Look at the next thing. Who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any tribulation, by the comfort where we ourselves are what? Comforted of God. What's that supposed to mean? That means no matter what you're going through, there's going to be comfort coming to you. Yeah. I know what that means. What he's saying is because of the comfort you have received, when you see somebody in such situation, you become a comforter to that individual. With the same comfort that you have received, you become a comforter to those people who are finding themselves in that situation. So no matter what is going to do, what do you think you are going through? We have the God of all comfort. So don't deny your faith. Don't lose faith. Stand, defend this common faith. Contend for it. Anywhere you are, let men know you believe in Jesus Christ. He said, if you deny me, I will deny you before the Father. That means there's a possibility of denying him. Am I correct? But I'm saying there is the God of all comfort who comforted us in all our tribulation that we should be able to comfort those who may be in any tribulation. Oh my goodness. That means if you truly have to come. Oh no, I don't want to preach. But you see, what he's saying here is that you're becoming like a priest. Because the priest will have to offer comfort to those who are in trouble. You're becoming a priest. And that is why the Bible made us to understand. The prince of kings, Revelation 5.10, shall reign on the earth. It's not truly the son. It's the son that have the spirit of priest that reigns. Sons inherit, priests rule. You need to get this. And for you to become a ruler, you're going to go through some pressure so that you can be able to succor those who go through the same pressure. It is only what you have experienced that you can make people to see. It is only because you have experienced what you are experiencing that you can truly have compassion. It is only when you have been able to go through the same process that you are going through in life that you can be able to extend mercy. No priest can minister who have not gone through the pressure of the man that he wants to minister to. It's practically impossible. You see what I'm saying here? 
But I'm trying to encourage you. If you think you are going through any problem, don't let that be a source of your denying Jesus. Because we have the God of all comfort and the God of all mercy. We're going to comfort you in all your tribulations. Comfort is coming to you. God is going to succor you. God is going to minister to your need. God is going to show for his mercy. He's going to reveal his glory.